Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. NFL Live, if you haven't jumped on yet, there's room on the bandwagon when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. Will Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield all start week one? And it's been 19 months without football since we've seen Andrew Luck. Sal Palantonio sits down with the Colts quarterback as he prepares for live game action for the first time in almost two years. Hello there and welcome on this Monday as we march our way closer toward the regular season. We're glad to have you. I'm Wendy Nix here with Adam Schefter, Coach John Fox, and Lewis Riddick. There is football tonight. It is the Week 2 preseason finale, and it marks another step in the road to recovery for the aforementioned Colts quarterback Andrew Luck, who again hasn't seen live game action in 19 months. He's passed every physical test and is expected to play into the second quarter tonight against the Baltimore Ravens. Here's a look ahead from Joe Tess and our Monday Night Football crew. Wendy, there are always plenty of number 12 jerseys up there in the crowd here at Lucas Oil Stadium. We're looking forward to seeing a number 12 actually yeah. playing football there. Andrew Luck hasn't played a home football game here in Indy since New Year's Day of 2017. So he's out there. And a new coach is here. What do you make of the Frank Reich-Andrew Luck relationship? Well, I think it's off to a good start. Very authentic. Frank Reich has had a way with quarterbacks throughout his career as a coach. And not too many years prior to that, there's a statue out there of a quarterback that Frank was able to coach. And he was brought here to bring Andrew back. It's been a long offseason for Andrew going through last year and the injury. Frank said we're going to have to see a conservative approach. But in the long term, I think we're going to see Andrew come back and be a dominant quarterback once again. Well, let's talk about the Ravens quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got the veteran Joe Flacco. You have the developing rookie in Lamar Jackson. And then there's Robert Griffin III. Yes, that RG3. Do they keep three quarterbacks, Book? I think they keep all three. Let's take a look at the starter first in Joe Flacco. He's been injured. In the last couple of years, he hasn't played very well. That led them to drafting Lamar Jackson, a dynamic young playmaker. But is he ready to play quarterback? I don't think so. So what happened if something happens on the field of Joe Flacco? I think you have to have an experienced veteran backup. Hello, RG3's here. So I think they keep all three and make sure they're protected either way. Wendy, going to be fun with the two Heisman winners out there playing quarterback. A good bit for the Ravens tonight. Well, there's no question about that. It will be fun, and it will be a lot more fun for Colts fans if Andrew Luck continues to move in the right direction. So on this overreaction Monday, I'll say this. Andrew Luck is going to be fine. Lewis, overreaction or not an overreaction? Wendy, I'll say it's not an overreaction. I mean, look, you have to trust the doctors. You have to trust the trainers. You have to trust the coaching staff. You have to trust Andrew himself that he's ready to go. And look, we've been saying it, it's kind of been like a recurring theme today, that football comes with inherent risk, all right? And you're going to have to assume that he's going to be smarter about taking risks with his body, that he has, in fact, rehabbed his shoulder to the degree that it's 100% ready to go, that his offensive line knows they need to provide him with better protection, and that Andrew's just going to be fine. It's going to be business as usual. Now, we don't know how the rest of the football team is going to be. We don't know if they're going to be fine, but we, we got to assume that he's going to be fine from a health perspective, and that's just what would be best for the game and obviously best for the Colts. No question. And look, he is the biggest question mark. There are others on that team as well. We understand that. But when it comes to the quarterback, how confident are you, Coach? I'm very confident. I mean, Andrew Luck is a very physical player, always has been. He plays strong. He's mobile. He's one of the tougher guys to get down as far as sacking the quarterback ever. He's had 19 months to heal, and I think he'll be just fine. Follow the signs, right? They didn't draft a quarterback 
when they had the spot in the draft that they did, both at third and then trading back to number six. Then listen to what Andrew Luck said every time he's talked. You could hear the giddiness in his voice. You could hear the confidence in his sound. You could tell that he sounded different about this shoulder injury that he admitted rightfully caused him to doubt whether he'd ever be able to play again. But now he knows he can. And the early signs in training camp have been good. He is going to be fine, Wendy. It's not an overreaction to say that. But they do have to protect him, and that's why they use the first-round draft pick on Quentin Nelson. Wait, which makes a whole lot of sense. There is also a positive development in the recovery of another quarterback. Eagles QB Carson Wentz has returned to 11-on-11 drills. He will split time, according to the head coach, uh, uh, first-team reps, that is, with backup Nick Foles. Wentz has certainly acknowledged his team's cautious approach, understanding this despite his own eagerness to get back out there. Really kind of same same as last week. You know, we're still, um, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. And, uh, you know, nothing's really changed from last week other than just the 11-on-11 practice. But the, the final hurdle, uh, which will not be my my decision, will be the, being cleared for contact. I have really no hesitation, you know, in the pocket when guys are around me, those things. I, I feel really good. Um, but it's going to come down to if they feel confident in contact and, and when that is, uh, I can't say yet. The week one goal that you set, I think the first time you said that to us was the Super Bowl by the Was that a goal you set independently or did doctors tell you that? Um, it was definitely with doctor's input and mainly my surgeon at the time. Um, was a realistic expectation, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. And like I said, with the, the crossover now and different training staff and everything that we have going on, um, that was more so just a, a personal goal and, and hope. Look, there's never any reason to rush these quarterbacks back. In this case, there was less so because you had a backup who'd recently won the Super Bowl. He's now a bit banged up, so there is some context here. But Overreaction Monday continues with this. Carson Wentz should not start Week one, no matter what. Adam, is that an overreaction? Well, it is an overreaction, but it's also a fact where they have a new training staff. And the new training staff, as Carson alluded to, is going to be very cautious. It's hard for me to imagine that the first act of this new training staff is going to be to clear this guy to play in the game less than nine months after he tore up his knee against the Rams in L.A. when the timeline for that was nine to 12 months. And Carson Wentz himself said today that the higher incidence of a re-injury occurs if you come back sooner. So I don't think it's an overreaction to say that he should not start, or it is an overreaction to say he should not start week one. But the fact of the matter is, I think the signs more and more point to him not starting week one right now. Coach? I think it's definitely an overreaction. I mean, look, he's their franchise quarterback. I mean, he is the guy. And so they're not going to put him out there until he's 100% ready and everybody has a comfort level, whether it's the medical staff, the coaching staff, or Carson himself. So um, if he's ready, uh, you know, they'll play him. If not, they won't. Yeah, look, I, I like to use these words organically and objectively. You it's know, your new like favorite those. word. I know. I like you know, it. I like using those. I think that's how this has to take place, right? I mean, if he's, if he's ready to go and they feel as though he's not posing any further risk to himself, despite the fact that, you know, statistics point to the fact that if you try and push the time frame too fast, you are maybe more susceptible to being injured. If they feel in their best professional judgment that he's ready to go, then play him. I don't think you can go into those situations and already predetermine you're not playing until this t- point in time because this is when we think you'll be healthy. We know everybody heals differently. And look, there, I, I, I would bet everything that I have that Jeffrey Lurie would not put Carson in mm-hmm. harm's way at any time in any way, shape, or form with the way he feels about this player. So I think if he's out there, it's because he has everyone's blessing from the top down. Right. And it's the training staff and the owner 
having to bless it. And if he doesn't get both, he ain't well, going to sure. be there. Well, sure. Well, that's absolutely. True. And you know, well, nothing happened there without Jeffrey saying so. So <laughs> that's for sure. The way it works. Uh, Adam Schefter, the time of year we try to clean things up. Yep. News and notes from around the league. And we'll start with a visit to the Redskins. Well, Adrian Peterson's there today visiting with the Washington Redskins, just as Jamal Charles was there yesterday visiting the Redskins. My understanding is that they're not in a rush to sign a veteran this week. Could sign a veteran next week. Still need some running back help just to get through weeks three and four of the preseason. So we could see a running back addition or two. As for the Dallas Cowboys and their Pro Bowl offensive guard, Zach Martin, the good news is doctors did not find any structural damage in his knee when he suffered an injury on this play against the Bengals in the preseason. As Dan Dan Graziano said, hyperextended knee, bone bruise, no structural damage. He is expected to play in the regular season opener. Leonard Floyd suffered a right hand fracture this weekend, had surgery yesterday, and Matt Nagy said moments ago that he's optimistic that Leonard Floyd will be able to play in week one. And as Coach Fox knows, the Bears are going to need him because he's their best pass rusher. They need some of those types of plays. But if Leonard Floyd is out with that hand surgery, that right hand fracture, that would be a problem for that defense. The Browns lost their cornerback, E.J. Gaines, to a knee injury, was carted off the field during practice on Sunday, underwent an MRI. The MRI showed a sprained knee. He is expected to be sidelined about three weeks, which would give him an outside chance to play in the regular season opener, but it may be a little bit beyond that three weeks for E.J. Gaines and that sprained knee. And Orlando Scandrick, who was released last week by the Dallas Cowboys, found himself a new home with the Kansas City Chiefs, who have remade their secondary this offseason, added a bunch of defensive backs. They added Kendall Fuller in the trade for Alex Smith and now have gone out and added Orlando Skandrick, the former Dallas Cowboy, as the Chiefs look to upgrade that secondary to try to keep up with what should be an explosive offense. So we set the number at 30 because that is the Chiefs' all-time record for touchdowns in a season. And that was Lynn Dawson, by the way. So here I'll say this. Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, will throw more than 30 touchdowns this season. Lewis Riddick, since this is your, your human, as My you human. so aptly put it, is this an overreaction? No, it's not an overreaction, Wendy. I mean, this guy, look, he is being set up for success. That's a, as objective as I can be about it. Andy wants to see this kid do well. They have tremendous weaponry. There's no question about it. And they're, you know what is going to even, I think, is going to make this offense even more prolific is the fact that they're so balanced. Right? They can run the ball. How many one-on-ones is Tyreek Hill going to face this year? How many one-on-ones is Sammy Watkins going to get and Travis Kelsey going to get because of Kareem Hunt? And the fact, and don't, don't forget this either. Patrick Mahomes also is a guy who can throw the ball from multiple launch points. He's a good athlete. He's not just a pocket quarterback. So, look, the sky's the limit for the kid. He might throw 50. Lou. Listen, go big or go home, Lewis Rennick. You gave us the football breakdown. I will just give you the basic common sense numerical <laughs> breakdown. 30 is not that much. 30. That's less than an average of two per game, which is hard to imagine that no Chiefs quarterback has ever thrown more than 30 that is, that is strange, in a season it? when you think about it. That so Patrick Mahomes throws two touchdown passes in 15 games and takes off another game. He reaches the mark. So, of course, it's not an overreaction to say that he'll throw 30, particularly with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, simple, Sammy huh? Watkins, Kareem Hunt, all those weapons. Sounds simple. Of course he's throw Sounds simple because here comes the wet blanket, I think. Yeah. Here it comes. Oh, that's not here, nice. Here it comes. No, in, in a good way. We, in a we good way. It the and you heard the bad John. 
there's a reason. You know, I know. Here it comes. Doubt it's an overreaction. (laughs) (laughs) I was at a private workout to watch Pat Mahomes work out, and he is very, very good and very outstanding, and I hold him in high regard. All right, but let's not forget, just a year ago, maybe as good an offense as the Kansas City Chiefs have had under Andy Mm Reid with Alex Smith, who threw 26 touchdowns and only five interceptions. Uh, That's going to be a tough road to follow, in my opinion. It is. I think it's an overreaction. Why don't you take Mahomes at 10 for the Bears? <laughs> or two. We could have. There's another guy, too. So I lost it. Well, what's the realistic thing, Coach? If it's not 30, what's, your, what's a, an estimate from you? I, I think, you know, again, looking back at last season, I thought their offense was great. I think their defense is going to improve quite a bit this year. I think they're probably, you know, the lead team in that division. Uh, but I'm going to say 25 would be an outstanding yeah, season. You know what? I, I think he just touched on a crucial point. The defense has to be better to give them more shots at it. Yeah. Because this defense yeah, had the ball just run up and down the field on them, and they struggled last year. Right. They, they, there's no Look, their whole emphasis this year, despite the fact they signed Sammy Watkins, was making that defense better down the middle because they were weak. And you saw it in the playoff game. That's how they ultimately lost mm-hmm. to the Titans. Yep. What's fascinating is when you hear Adam break it down the way he did, you think, of course, right? This is going to happen. Only three NFL quarterbacks last season threw for 30. Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. So then you think, well, uh, statistics. maybe it's not so easy. <laughs> Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and (laughs) I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. All right, let's take a look at Exhibit A and B, shall we? Sam Darnold, preseason week one against the Falcons. Just over two minutes to go. Darnold to Clive Wofford over the middle for the first down. Same drive, a buck 20 left, first and 15. And there he goes, picks up the first down again. Later in this drive, third and goal. Darnold steps up, rolls right, hits Charles Johnson for the touchdown. Finished with 96 yards and the score. And everybody felt pretty good. Now we move on. Week two against the Redskins. First quarter, third and three. Darnold squeezes one into Trey McBride on Josh Norman for the first down. Darnold here, McBride again, and he picks up the first down. Look, he, he has been making very good decisions in critical situations. Now, this one wasn't as good of a decision because he didn't pick up a free defender who had freed up and was reading his eyes. But that's something that he can learn from. And I don't think that's something that all of a sudden now everyone should, like, throw their hands up in the air and go, see, he's not ready to go. See, he just needs more time. It's a, it's a teaching thing. It's a learning thing. We'll see. Still we always working. say there will be one. There will be a sure. learning curve. Then when we see it in the action, we, we panic. Sure. Overreaction Monday. Sam Darnold should be the Jets' week one starter. Lewis, I'll start with you. I'm going to pull out my favorite words again. Organic? Bingo. Yeah. Okay. If organically, he wins the job, let him play the game. If they feel as though on the inside, look, I, you know, I think, Coach, I heard you talking about this earlier, I, I believe. It was maybe early this morning. It, during practice, these guys are being subject to harsher conditions than they are during games no in terms of the ty- types of defensive looks they're going to see. So they have more intel there at the Jets than we do watching preseason games where game plans are watered down and there's no game plan. So if they feel as though he has been passing those tests, along with the fact that a lot of the performances he's put on tape already in the games have been pretty darn good, then why wouldn't you start him? It's, you know, I know people say, well, it's only preseason. Well, that's not the only time he's playing. He's actually playing in practice also, and you think the coaches aren't trying to test him to find out? So if they're satisfied with it, 
I'm satisfied with it. So let him start if he's, if he's earned it. So not an overreaction. Oh, uh, yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, so uh, what? A- and, yeah. and? I said that at the beginning. I no, thought. I don't think so. That's Wendy, all right. We got Wendy. it. We got it. All right. Coach, I'll ask you right off the bat. Overreaction, not an overreaction. I think it's an overreaction. I, I think really, to, to Lewis's point, you know, they're getting put in the tough situations uh, as far as their insulation. In these preseason games, you're seeing vanilla defenses. Uh, sure, he's going to make some mistakes, but, you know, and all in all, I think you've got Teddy Bridgewater, Josh McCown, guys that have started football games. And, you know, by week one, uh, I, I think it's a little bit safer as, as a coaching staff when you go with a veteran uh, and, and let this guy watch and see what a real in-season NFL defense looks like. All right, fair enough. reaction when you've got Teddy Bridgewater and Josh McCown, two capable veterans on the staff. Again, we go back to when all these teams drafted all these quarterbacks. Everyone wanted to rest their guys, take their time, give them time to learn the game, improve, grow on the bench. And then as soon as we see these guys in training camp and the media discussion ramps up, everybody moves up the timeline. The timeline gets accelerated. Now everybody wants Sam Darnold to start. So, no. <laughs> Again, I think they'd be better off behind a team with a shaky offensive line right now, letting the rookie grow while they get the offensive line better. Get some things straightened out. Lou's looking at me funny. That's yeah. okay. No, That's no, no, no. I'm saying, so you, are, you, are you saying that the teams are listening to us? <laughs> no. No. No way would suggest that. No way. That. I can tell no. you they're not listening to us. <laughs> 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 With absolute clarification, we could say He's like, no. absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, though. Do you get a sense that the Jets will carry two or three quarterbacks? I think they're open to anything. In a perfect world, I think they'd like to trade Teddy Bridgewater if they could get something back. The problem is... What team is going to be willing to give up a reasonable, uh, valuable, high pick to get the Jets interested enough to trade him? Look, right now, Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darn are vying for the starting job. One of these two guys, not Josh McCown, is going to be the opening day starting quarterback. Veteran quarterbacks are valuable. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in the final couple of weeks of the preseason, whether anybody will lose a quarterback a la the Vikings did with Teddy Bridgewater in a late August practice a couple of years ago. But as it stands right now, I don't think there's a team out there that would be willing to give up enough to get Teddy Bridgewater from the Jets as well as he's played. He might be the Jets' starting quarterback on opening day. So you say, I just heard you say something, that Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold are vying for the starting yes. quarterback job. You're saying that the Jets believe that Teddy Bridgewater would give them a better chance to win than Josh McCown? I think so. That's interesting. Well, Todd so. Bowles did say today that he will not that? name a starting quarterback uh, until after the final preseason game. So, we'll I like Josh McCown. Smart man. Yep. Yeah. Why, smart why man. do it when you don't have to, coach? Yep. All right. A lot of Teddy love. All right. We continue with other quarterback news. It is unclear exactly what to expect from Bills quarterback A.J. McCarron as he looks for a second opinion on his injured throwing shoulder. What we do know is that McCarron's injury will have an effect on his place in the pecking order of that team with first-round pick Josh Allen and returning backup Nathan Peterman. Here's Mike Rodak with more. Wendy, Josh Allen did lead the Bills' first-team offense in practice here on Monday, but there are two key pieces of context to go along with that information. The first is that Allen has been occasionally receiving first-team reps going back to minicamp in June. That includes training camp as well. So this is nothing new for the rookie as he continues to develop. The second piece of context is that A.J. McCarron had previously been rotating with Nathan Peterman with the first-team offense, and now that McCarron is out, it makes sense for Allen to take over as part of that rotation. And that is what Sean McDermott stressed on Monday, is that this is still a rotation. Peterman led the first-team offense on Sunday. 
Allen led it on Monday, and that could continue moving forward. So while certainly it is notable that Josh Allen is with the first team on Monday, within the context of this entire quarterback competition, there's still a long way to go until we know who is starting week one. Back to you, Wendy. Mike, thank you. And, Coach, I'll let you take this one. We'll start here. Overreaction Monday. Josh Allen should be the Bills' week one starter. Overreaction or no? I'm going to say not an overreaction. You know, just kind of assessing it. And, you know, I know a little bit about Nathan Peterman. We had him in the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago. You know, A.J., I watched both at Alabama. You know, a little bit the action he's gotten. But, you know, on what I've seen, again, I've been impressed really with all the rookie quarterbacks that I've seen on tape this season. But in this case, I think it's going to be, you know, ultimately it's going to be who gives them the best chance. And right now, based on what I've seen, I think it's Josh Allen. Yeah, you know what? I'm going, to say it's, I'm going to say it's an overreaction. And I know that people will go, well, why? I mean, did you see what happened last time Nate Peterman started a game out there in, in L.A.? Yeah, I, I saw it. But, again, there are reasons why you don't judge a player off of just one game, good or bad. And there is a lot of intel that the Buffalo staff has that we don't have. And Sean McDermott really does believe in Nate Peterman. He has been very upfront about that. And so I think right now I couldn't say that he deserves a start, although his upside obviously is clearly higher than Nate Peterman's or A.J. McCarron's. And there's a reason why they drafted him where they did, because they, they look at him as being the, the future of the franchise. Do I believe he has done enough to earn it at this point? No. If you were to just look at the statistics the same way people look at Teddy Bridgewater's statistics and say he should start over Sam Darnold, then why shouldn't Nate Peterman start? He's played pretty well in the preseason so far. So I'm saying I think this one I would take my time with. And look, when the Bills opened camp, the idea was to let A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman compete for the starting job. Mm -hmm. One of the guys now has gone down for injury. So therefore, you would think it's only natural that the other veteran, Nathan Peterman, veteran in his second year, would get the chance to start. And they wouldn't have to rush Josh Allen along the same way the Jets wouldn't have to rush along Sam Darnold, the same way that all these teams could take their times growing these rookie – I thought you liked the idea of keeping rookie quarterbacks on the bench. I actually do, all right? But I, I also like so winning. So why are you So you have, to, you, have to get, you have to start who gives you the best chance you to win. That's all right? right. Bottom line. That's going that to happen with all this. In that week. Yeah, it, really, the bottom line, no matter what week and who we're talking about, it's really – and the players in that locker room will know. Everybody in that building will know. And, again, they're there every day. We're not. That's the thing that you, you have to stress is the fact that there's so much more intel yeah. that these guys yes. have sure, during, yes. during all season. Like, when you watch a guy carve up a third-team defense in the second half that's playing cover one, cover three, cover one, cover three, and the quarterback's sitting there like, hey, this is great, zing, zing, zing. It's and people real. go, see, he should start. Yeah. They have so much more. It's like, it's like the whole – Look, I, I get it because I have been I have fallen victim myself when I was in scouting of getting too hyped up on a guy in the offseason. And then when the pads came on and he had to do it over and over, those guys just shrunk and they disappeared. I'm going, what's happening to you? Where's my Why guy? weren't you this guy in the offseason? Why aren't you the same guy now? And I'm t things just change and people there's so much more that's going on behind the scenes that go into these. But, but you could just see big picture. You just know who the best oh, quarterback is, right? It's just very obvious. When sure. You're there. There's some guys who are just better than others. I mean, you can just see it. And, and it's just a matter of, okay, well, when do I do this? Well, and Josh Allen's going to be that guy. And sure. if he's not, there's a problem there, a timing, but he's going to be that guy. And it's a timing guy. thing, right? And that's what, these, that's what head coaches have yeah. to decide. When is the right time? Right, of course they do. And to that end, to the fact that they have more intel than we do, having said that, then what, how, what does it mean who starts week three? You know, when we see the Bills play on Sunday, how much does that tell us? Anything at all? <sighs> 
Let the former head coach <laughs> Okay. Well, well, he's deferring. You. He's hey, passing. Hey, I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of him this time. No, okay. no, those guys are always hard at work, you know, whether it's in the film room, whether it's on the practice field. Uh, they're, they're still in the middle of installation. This week three is always big because that's the one the coaches are going to take it and look, look at it and get their team ready like it's an in-season game. They actually will game plan that week, meaning they'll work against that opponent's defense. They'll work against that opponent's offense. They'll actually simulate – a week one schedule as far as the preparation. Right now, they're not. The first two weeks of, this, of preseason, they're just installing stuff. And then they just might work maybe 10 plays against the opponent the day before the game. And that's kind of the extent of it. So, you know, time will tell pretty quick. And I'm sure those coaches have a pretty good idea already. All right. One more to go, shall we? A week after his brilliant preseason debut, Baker Mayfield kind of came back down to earth in week two against the Bills. But there was good news. It was a bit of a rocky start, but Mayfield maintained his composure and then actually got better as this game went along, even though the team lost 19-17, to uh, which, of course, doesn't mean a whole lot in week two of the preseason. Overreaction Monday regarding the first overall pick. Baker Mayfield should be Cleveland's week one starter. There's a theme here, in case you can't tell, Lewis. Overreaction or no? It's not an overreaction. Look, I have been a firm believer that this kid was going to be ready for the big stage. I think he, of all these quarterbacks, is the one who handles situational football and adversity and bouncing back from adversity better than the rest of them. I think he showed that in this game against Buffalo. It did start off a little sloppy for him, but then you saw he remained calm in the pocket. His vision remained good. His decision-making remained good. His playmaking ability as far as being able to extend and make plays off schedule remained where it has always been, and he got his team in the end zone. I think this kid is just tailor-made to be the guy. And that's not to be disrespectful to Tyrod Taylor. And I know with Tyrod there's a lot of support that people say, look, if, as long as he had, if he had better people around him, he would have been a better quarterback and a winning quarterback. There's a reason. Look, they had Tyrod, and they still drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. And if he is showing that he is mastering these situations to a degree that gives them even more upside as a team, put him in there week one. There you go, Coach. Well, I'm going to say it's an overreaction or uh, (laughs) whatever he just said. I think the reason they even went out and got Tyrod Taylor is for the reason they don't have to start Baker Mayfield week one. I think it's a plan to do that. I mean, a year ago, we started Mitch Trubisky week five, all right? It was Monday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings, and it was his 14th start since high school, all right? He wasn't ready to start week one, all right? I'm not saying that's exactly where Baker is right now because I've seen stuff that I really like, all right? But there's a reason they went and got Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. There's a reason why they said he's the leader of this football team right now one week ago. Did you go into the season – Targeting week five, did you have an idea right away that Trubisky wasn't going to be ready to win the opening day starting quarterback? When did you know that he was ready to become that starter for the Bears last year? Well, I think I saw really good things in the preseason. But to start week one um, as a rookie at the quarterback position all right, isn't easy. I don't care what your ability level is. I mean, the command of the offense, understanding you know, a real NFL defense is very, very, very difficult. 
And so we had Mike Lennon, who had started games, who had experienced it before. I'm not saying it's right. Hindsight, you know, I think we were one and three in those first four games. But, uh, you know, remember, these guys have not played against a real NFL defense. You just made my point for me. Yep. And you just contradicted yourself on Josh Allen. Well, because of the alternatives. <laughs> you got to look at the alternatives. Yeah. Well, you know what? So you're going to be good at this job. Yeah. Yeah. The only counter to that, and I, and I agree with what Coach says, because it's, it's yeah. common sense. It yep. makes sense because, you know, but look, one, the only way you get experience is by playing, number one. And number two, there are sometimes, even if a guy doesn't know exactly where he's supposed to go with the football as quickly and as consistently as maybe the veteran does, there are other things that he can do as far as his overall just arm talent, and I hate to use that word, and athletic ability that the other guy can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So over the long haul, over the course of 70, 75 plays, he's going to make more plays than this mm-hmm. other guy, even if this other guy knows more of what to do. Right. And sometimes you're willing to live with that based on how the rest of your football team is put together. If you have a strong defense, great special teams, and you're going to shut people down, you'll go, okay, you know what? We can live with a little bit more risk mm-hmm. with this quarterback. If your defense is weak and your special teams aren't very good, and you can't afford to turn the ball over, you'll go with the veteran. So I think it all depends on the rest of your team, too. And you're talking about the rest of the football team, too. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have won one game, all right, in two seasons, all right? They need to develop some kind of winning mentality. And I think a veteran, in my opinion, gives you a better opportunity to do that early in the season. And they went with Cody Kessler two years ago as a rookie quarterback. Didn't work out. They went with Deshaun Kaiser, another rookie quarterback, Mm -hmm. last year. It didn't work out. That's why they went out and traded for Tyrod Taylor. They want a veteran to start the season, and a veteran is going to start the season. It's going to be Tyrod Taylor. We all know that but Baker saying, Mayfield can Are you play. saying Cody Kessler and Deshaun Kaiser are the same as Baker Mayfield? No. No, I'm just saying they went with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, I think those guys are totally different, though. Those three players are not even in the same stratosphere Correct. as Baker far as went I'm number one overall. Well, I'm not. I'm, well, despite where he went, I mean, you just look at it. The eye test tells you he's better than both of those guys put together. And Tyrod Taylor is better than the alternatives that they had, which is why they went out to go trade for Tyrod Taylor. So they had a quarterback yeah, the with better experience. That, yeah, the alternatives at that time were like, might as well put me and you in there. Hey, let's not let's not get crazy. We, we really see flow now. Yeah, right. Let's not let's not just take the okay, bar. Okay, maybe not. Throw maybe the not. bar out. Listen, let me ask you about this because Josh Gordon is back with the team. I think we're all pulling for him. Uh, where what are the expectations at this point? I think the idea is to try to get him ready for the regular season. Make sure that he's on track. Make sure there's no setbacks. Make sure he's got clearance from the league. He's been back at practice, watching things, but not going through practice. At this point in time, he was away addressing physical, mental health issues. And again, I think you have to be very careful and very delicate. And Josh Gordon handled this the right way. And look, if they can get him back by week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it would be a huge boost to that offense. Everybody wants to be back. The Browns, Josh Gordon, he knows how important it is. And I think everybody's pulling for him, except the teams in that division. Uh, No doubt. (laughs) They have a different perspective, to say the least. As we begin a week-long series of conversations with leading NFL quarterbacks, we'll begin with Andrew Luck. It's been almost two years since he's played in a regular season game for the Indianapolis Colts. And that, of course, is a near eternity in football speak. Luck sat down with our Sal Palantonio to talk about his struggles and what he's most looking forward to in his return. You've probably been throwing a football since you were five years old, and then all of a sudden you can't throw a football. That must have been tough. Andrew Luck is the headliner in terms of guys coming back. It's been 19 months the last time Andrew Luck was on an NFL game field. How did that feel for you, going through that process mentally? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, mentally, uh, probably the hardest part has been the mental part. There was a time, time or two, where I, where I, 
thought I would not play football again, and I didn't think it was worth worth playing again. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad to have worked worked through that. I realized, man, I really miss football, and I really love football. And even the simple things, it's like throwing a ball to your buddies. I mean, that's what I get to go out. I get to go out and practice and throw a ball to T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's fun. And uh, when that's when that's taken away, it's I've certainly certainly grown a different perspective uh, about about everything football related and uh, how I think I'm, I think I'm a bit more appreciative just to go out and practice every day and, and, and try and get better. I, I never thought I'd have this much fun playing football again. I really didn't. I remember walking out to the first practice of training camp and having butterflies like it was a football game. Like it was, you know, like it was an opening game or a playoff game. Uh, and I, I had to take a moment and, and like calm down a little bit. Thought, man, that's cool. You get to feel that again, Andrew. You get to feel those butterflies. Uh, and so it's it's like a new lease on my football life. I'm loving it. Here we go, Andrew Luck back on the field. It was a good day for Andrew Luck. The Indianapolis Colts are going to be just fine with him taking another step in his long road to recovery. What's the prognosis about starting week one? Yeah, it's a long time away, but that's what I'm working for, absolutely. And at the same time, you know, learning how to be honest to yourself and uh, honest to yourself about how, how I feel, and that's that's something that I struggled with a lot last year. Uh, and when you're not honest to yourself, in turn, you can't get help from anybody because <laughs> you struggle being honest to them. Um, so I'm really excited about how much progress I've made, uh, about all the help I get in this building, outside of this building. So appreciative of, of, of everybody. What kind of professional therapy did you go through? Uh, you know, I've got a lot of physical help, uh, certainly physical therapists and uh, all the folks here in the building, outside of the building. Uh, Was he going through any f- mental Yeah, I, I talked to a, a sports psychiatrist and a psychiatrist to, to help out, yeah. What's the one thing that that sports psychiatrist told you that really uh, s- that really resonated with you as you went through your struggles? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I should say, you know, it's still struggle, and I'll probably still struggle through, like everybody, through the, through the rest of your life and working on things. But I, I think there's, there's beauty in that, and the, there's a challenge in that. And I, I don't know if there's one thing... And I certainly did not have like an epiphany moment at any point and said, aha, I figured it out, you know, or it's, it's going to be okay. But I think it's just been an accumulation of, uh, of sort of good things happening and, and uh, learning, to, learning to be a little patient with myself and learning, learning not to be too hard on myself, too hard on others, and, and try and take sort of the judgment out of, out of things as much as possible and, and the good or bad in any other way. I have no doubt in my mind that Andrew is going to come back. That kid is a special kid. He was born to do great things in the National Football League. And he will do great things in the National Football League. Have you started to think about, in your mind's eye, what you're going to feel like running out week one with your team the first week of the season? Yeah, yeah I hope I hope I'm excited. <laughs> Sure. I hope we're ready to go. Uh, I would imagine excitement for sure. Yeah, that'll be a fun feeling, but I know I'm beating a dead horse here. That uh, yeah. it's, it's a it's a long way away. It feels better and better every day. It is really fun to go out and make progress and feel progress. And now I'm a far cry from where I want to be. Uh, I've got a lot to work on. This team, we've got a lot uh, to work on, but we're doing a great job of. Uh, Living in the moment, taking it day by day, not looking past what we've what we've got going on at that at that time uh, at that place, and uh, it's really fun to, to to feel myself on a personal level get better and improve every day, and to see this team get better and improve. 
Tomorrow's QB conversation is Eli Manning, and it's no secret how important luck has been to Indy's success. He started at least 15 games in four of his six seasons with the Colts. During that time, they averaged over 10 wins per year and ranked in the top quarter of the league in both scoring and QBR. And with that, we continue over Reaction Monday. Andrew Luck, we say, will get the Colts to 10 wins in 2018, which is a tall order given what he's been through. But, Coach, I'll start with you. Overreaction or no? I'm going to say not an overreaction. You know, I think it's going to be tough for any team in that division this season to win 10 games. But if somebody can, I think it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck. I've seen him do it before. You know, I've seen him do that in that, in that division uh, for that football team with maybe not the best defense in the division, maybe not the best offensive uh, playmakers. But they have enough, and I think you inject him back in there. I think they'll, they'll make that happen. Louis Reddick? Yeah, I'm going to say it's an overreaction only because of one of the things that Coach just alluded to, and that's the defensive side of the ball, which has underperformed. And we'll see whether or not they can rush the passer and whether or not they can shut down the passing game well enough in order for them to be what is going to amount to a wild card team because they're not going to win the division. But they're going to have to make it in as a wild card. So we'll see if they can get to 10 wins, but I think it will take, oh, take 9 or 10 wins to be a wild card type of team. I just don't know if they, if they have enough firepower on that side of the ball. Look, a guy like Kamiko Ture from Rutgers is a guy who I really like. Jabal Sheard is a pit guy coach, so you know we're going to pull for him. You know, and then as far as the secondary is concerned, do they have enough playmakers, particularly on the corners? Do they have enough guys that can match up one-on-one and shut down some of the high-flying offenses that these guys ultimately are going to have to face? That's going to be the key. I mean, Andrew's going to do his thing. He will put up a lot of yards, I'm sure, this year. I'm sure him and T.Y. Hilton will pick up where they left off. But it's a team game, and as good as he is, and hopefully he stays healthy, I just don't think he'll be enough. Think about it. Jacksonville almost made it to the Super Bowl last year. Fell just short in Foxborough. Houston, when Deshaun Watson was out there, looked like it was good enough to go to the Super Bowl. And Tennessee has accumulated a lot of good young talent. They're in a division right now where Andrew Luck used to be going against the worst division in football, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston. They were not very good. It's a totally different remade division right now. So even if Andrew Luck is operating at a high peak level, I think it's going to be hard for this Colts team to win 10 games. So it is an overreaction to think that he could come there and do that on a roster that had a lot of holes to begin with. This is Chris Ballard's charge to repair a roster that had a lot of weaknesses and they're still on the way to doing it. In those 19 months, though, I think everybody's forgotten how good Andrew Luck is. That's probably true. I think there's some truth to that I really want everybody to remember how good he is. I mean, we're talking about that division. All right, name me somebody. (laughs) I'm talking about at that position. Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure he's really Andrew Luck yet. That's That's just me talking. All right, but... It's been a while since we've seen Andrew Luck, and I just want to remind everybody really how good See, you know, he is. Here, here's the other question I would have with, with Andrew. Purely throwing the football, you would assume he's going to come back and he's going to be maybe as good mm-hmm. as he was. But is his mindset going to be the same? Meaning this, if my offensive mm-hmm. line is not as good as it needs to be, which odds are it may not be yet, am I still willing to take the same chances I took before, previous to my injury? Because quite honestly, the beating that I took before led to the fact that I didn't play for as long as I did. So now am I going to still be the same fearless, fearless guy as I was before? And I'm never going to – look, I I, I say this all the time. I will never question another man's resolve or his toughness. So Andrew may be like, you know what? 
This is who I am, and this is this, and they will have to take me out, you know, because I'm going to play the way I'm going to play. But I'm just wondering if he'll play with the same mentality. You know what I mean? Because he's going to need it. I, I They're going to need it if they want to win 10 games. My experience with real competitors is, is I think they appreciate it more when it's been taken from them. And, again, I kind of know a little bit about this guy's DNA and watched him compete and perform. And uh, I, I think he comes back even stronger resolve than he was before. And when we've yeah. seen quarterbacks yeah. that talented, and he is, elevate the roster and play of an entire team. But again, I just think he comes back to a division that's entirely different. I, this I, one think, it, I think he did it before he got hurt. I think he'll do it again after he comes back. I think well, we ought to have this discussion again after the season. <laughs> well, we will. Not to worry. We'll have plenty of time. Well, you know team. how that it's works. Listen, I, it, it starts tonight because Andrew Luck is expected to see some significant time uh, in this game tonight against the Baltimore Ravens. Tonight, we are in Indianapolis for our next preseason game. It's the Ravens and the Colts, 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. Coverage begins at 7 with a special edition of Monday Night Countdown. Lisa Salters will be on the sidelines for us once again. She joins us now. And, Lisa, we're obviously talking quite a bit about Andrew Luck and the question to you how he looks to be doing both mentally and physically. Yeah, well, Wendy, we hadn't seen him in a while since he didn't play all of last season. And when he walked into our production meeting on Saturday, uh, he could not have been any happier when he was describing the progress he's made throughout this training camp. He was literally just smiling from ear to ear. He said he's getting better every day and that he described that feeling as just awesome. He really actually opened up and told us how down in the dumps he was last season when his shoulder, it just wasn't right. And he said he started to question whether he would ever have fun playing football again or even be able to play football without having pain. So to be back on the field this preseason, Luck said he feels like he has a new lease on his football life. He played two series in their first preseason game against Seattle 11 days ago. A new head coach, Frank Reich, says he'll probably keep Luck out there for three long series tonight. So about a quarter plus of action for Andrew Luck before backup Jacoby Brissett comes into the game. Wendy. Switching gears, the quarterback position for the Ravens, John Harbaugh said he was not thinking they would keep three on the roster as they headed to the preseason, but now that is a consideration. Why is that? Yeah, because they believe they've got three pretty good ones. Uh, John Harbaugh told us yesterday that there's no doubt that Joe Flacco is their starter, but adding first-round pick Lamar Jackson to the quarterback room, that's allowed them to add the read option to the playbook. And even with Flacco firm as the number one, they still, when the regular season comes along, they still want to try to get Jackson on the field anywhere from five to 15 plays a game because of his speed and his talent. And then you've got Robert Griffin, who may have surprised some people with the way he's been playing so far this preseason after being out of the league all last season. Harbaugh said you can see why he was the number two pick in the draft in 2012, and how can we let a guy like that go? So as far as the quarterback rotation tonight, Flacco will start. He'll play anywhere between 12 to 20 plays. And then we'll get an extensive look at Lamar Jackson. Uh, John Harbaugh told us he will play a lot, definitely into the second half. And then Robert Griffin will come in and he will close out the game for Baltimore. Wendy. Lisa, thank you so much to watch as the preseason continues. There is also some breaking news and interesting development out of the nation's capital. Uh, The Washington Redskins are giving Adrian Peterson a one-year contract to come in and get extra running back help. Now, it's interesting because last night I was told they were going to wait a week for a veteran running back, but obviously Adrian Peterson went there, visit went well. They liked what they saw. He liked what they saw. 
and they are getting a one-year deal done with Adrian Peterson. How's he fit here, Lewis, when you look at the grand scheme of things? Well, really, what they what they really need, look, ideally what they wanted was a three-down player, and that's what Geis would have been for them. Now what they can do is they can pair him up with a guy like Chris Thompson on third down, provided that Adrian is everything that they want him to be. He's your first and second down hammer. He's your between-the-tackles guy who still has shown on occasion that he can break some big runs. So it's just really there. It's kind of like a running back. It's a running back room by committee there. We know that now that Geis is injured. And they're just looking for the best fit to go with Chris Thompson on third down, who, when he's healthy, is one of the most dynamic third down backs in the NFL for sure. Again, Redskins signing Adrian Peterson to a one-year deal. Uh, Coach, does this make sense to you? Yeah, I think it does. You know, it'll be by committee. Uh, they, got, they got hurt by some injuries. But, you know, I think AP will go in and, and give them exactly that, a first and second down back. He knows how to be a professional. He'll help that room. He'll help that football team. He, he, he does know all of those things. How much left in the tank, though, in your estimation? Well, again, that's going to be hard to judge. But I think, uh, obviously, they felt good enough about him to sign him. And uh, I, I think he'll definitely help their football team. And I think John Gruden will be happy he signed him. All right. Fair enough. What are we watching for tonight? Well, Monday for me, night. I'll tell you what. Look, this is – I know a lot of people want to watch Lamar Jackson. I actually want to watch the guy who right now is the starting quarterback, and that's Joe Flacco, because I don't think there are, there are no more excuses for Joe. They went out and really bolstered this offense on the perimeter. They've got two young tight ends who can really get down the field. Hayden Hurst is one of my favorite guys from South Carolina. Look, Michael Crabtree is a very, very good big wide receiver. Willie Sneed is a good player. He is a guy who can play multiple positions. And Marty Mortenwig, I know he doesn't get a lot of attention as far as offensive coordinators and play callers go, but Marty has coached a variety of high-profile players and coached them in some very prolific offenses. I want to see Joe look good. Because there really is no excuse anymore. I want to see him look good. All right. A lot of quarterback storylines, none greater than Andrew Luck, of course, who will uh, play about a quarter and a half, as you heard Lisa say. So plenty to watch for tonight in the Week 2 preseason finale. Not all was well in Buffalo on Friday night. Veteran defensive players for the Bills have spoken out since then regarding a block. Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry made against Bills rookie corner Taron Johnson. They say it was unnecessary at best. Dirty at worst. All you have to do is get in position, screen them off. You don't have to come in and, and try to kill anybody. And, and to me, that's that's it's ridiculous. Because like I said, if a defensive player does that, he's getting thrown out the game. I just think they're dirty. Coming from outside the box in, um, the league needs to do a better job of calling penalties on those type of plays. Um, obviously, defenders get them, get caught on them all the time and stuff that's probably less as egregious as that. And we need, if we're going to protect our football players, we need to protect everybody, not just offensive guys. All right, fair enough. Lewis, agree or disagree? Was that Jarvis Landry hit dirty? Mm, you know what? I don't think it's dirty, but I do think this. In the, in, with the way that the game is being officiated now and the way rules are being put into place, if you're going to protect offensive players and defenseless offensive players, then protect defenseless defensive players. Simple as that. Because, look, I, I don't think a lot of the hits that are happening to offensive players are dirty either. So this kind of play, look, this is these are things that were a regular occurrence back in, quote, unquote, my day. And you took them and you gave them. And as long as it wasn't a knee shot or a head shot, look, it's just part of the game. So in this kind of situation, it's it's brutal. It looks rough. But I don't, I don't think it's dirty. But I just don't think that players, look, defensive players just aren't being protected the same way. It's, that's the long and short of it. And you heard what Lorenzo Alexander said. I think that was said. their argument, That's yeah. exactly it. That's all it is. Uh, we've also heard a lot about the new helmet rule, about not lowering the head and leaning with the head. We will continue to do so. But Richard Sherman tweeted this regarding that rule. 
To all those people, including those who made the rule, I want a video of you running full speed and being led by anything but your head while also attempting to bring down a moving target. You will soon realize it is impossible. There is no make adjustment to the way you tackle, even in a perfect form tackle. The body is led by the head. The rule is idiotic and should be dismissed immediately. When you watch rugby players tackle, they are still led by their head. It will be flag football soon. Change is difficult, but there has been a real uh, problem, if you will, explaining how you do this and get your head out of the way. I mean, we, we've yet to hear how it how that should be done. I don't know how. Yeah, quite you said that, and it, it and I because I don't know how to detach my head from my shoulders. <laughs> so if you can teach me how to do that, then I can tell you how I can consistently remove my head from the equation, and therefore not have what is being called now even incidental head 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 contact is being called. Where guys are, you can see, in, you can see they are intentionally putting their head to the side. Maybe the point of impact changes because something the offensive player does, which we saw in the Kyle Kyle Fuller situation. And then there's contact, and the defensive player still getting called. It's it's a, it's an impossible situation. I would not want to be a defensive player right now, and I wouldn't want to be coaching defensive ball because. I'm at a loss for how you're going to have these guys do this on a consistent basis. The difficulty, coach, is just that how you coach this. Well, I think you know everybody talks about you got to you got to you can't hit what you can't see. So you have to put your eyes on what you're trying to hit. Well, your eyes are attached to your head too, so it's hard to, to line up and make a legitimate, real tackle uh, without just being arms or grabs or you know again offensive football just start multiplying even at a greater pace. The one thing I think you hope is we've seen these calls this summer in the preseason that have lacked consistency from one game to another, from one week to another. We don't know exactly what is and isn't a penalty. We know that they're trying to take the head out of the game. I would just hope that when we get to the regular season that there's more consistency and that they ease back on some of this so that some of these hits that we've seen, I guess, are allowed and permissible and, again, more consistent. I tell you what, what we do know is this is going to continue. Mm. You know, this is, uh, it's, it's not going to go away week one just because we play football for real. It is, as we mentioned, National Radio Day. If you missed it, here's what we believe to be the best call of last season. John Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No, I mean, was it going to be anything else? You know it wasn't going to be anything else. No. Best call. Hands down. Speaking of good audio, Adam Schefter's got a new podcast out today. Who's on? Michael Thomas and Ryan Clark. Uh, Oh, and Ryan Clark. All right. Don't miss that. Doubleheader. We'll be back tomorrow.